We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to a very, very special edition of Field of 68 After Dark. Thanks for making us a very small part of what was a packed Saturday in college basketball. The first weekend without football uh, in, in, what, six, seven months in college basketball absolutely delivered. We got rivalry games. We got coaches getting ejected. We got three top ten matchups. We got a lot to get to on the show today. Catch us on YouTube, SiriusXM. Uh, Twitch, where, uh, uh, X, everywhere that you get uh, Field of 68. We are here. We are live. I'm John Martin. Joy tonight. We're going four wide, guys. We got Jeff Goodman. We got Rob Doster. We got Field of 68 analyst and college basketball Hall of Famer Tyler Hansbrough here in the building tonight, all on the road. Uh, a lot to get to, gentlemen. Hope you're doing well. Let's start, guys, with what was one of the best, if not the best, wins in college basketball this season. And that's what Kansas did to Houston. Really quickly, they opened as a home underdog under Bill Self for just the second time ever. They led for 39 minutes, 69% from the field against the number one defense in the country, get the win 78-65. Jeff, uh, how dominant was this performance for Kansas tonight? Incredible. I mean, really was from, from start to finish. Kansas was absolutely dominant on both ends of the court. I mean, they came out, made nine of the first 10 shots against a Houston team that, oh, by the way, is the best defensive team in every area and every metric you want to look at. Um, but Kansas got it going early, and then they got the crowd going. And Kelvin Sampson said after the game, he was like, listen, whoever the hell put Kansas as an underdog at, at, at Allen Fieldhouse basically screwed us here. And, uh, and they did because Kansas – the players knew they needed to win this one. I talked to Dewan Harris after the game, and he said, like, we knew it. We, we knew people were doubting us coming off some of these road losses to UCF and West Virginia. And they, they, they had to make a statement. And they did today, and they did it with Johnny Furphy. Okay? As good yeah. as Hunter Dickinson was, as good as the defense was, Kevin McCullough, Johnny Furphy is to the rescue. Because he's become a dude now. Now you yes. got five dudes instead of four. And that's the biggest difference now with this Kansas team is Furphy was great in the first half. And then you know what they had to do, Houston? They tried to lock him down in the second half. And then everybody else kind of heated up. So Kansas looked like a team to me that maybe, maybe, if they can get one more dude off the bench to be decent, they could win six straight. Yeah, I think the, the interesting thing, Jeff, and you were there so you could speak to it, is that this was a strange one in that most analytics and most metrics had this as a, I mean, to be on the road, a pretty decisive win for Houston. So, and, and I saw you tweet the videos, and honestly, like that atmosphere, how powerful is that? Like just to, just to have that behind you in that environment, you know, how big is that for Kansas? Because it, it really did. It felt like it carried them today in a lot of ways. It did. I mean, it, it's it's the best atmosphere in college basketball. You know, I was at Duke earlier this year, and, and while the student section is great at Duke and his media members were on top of the court, were right there, there's nothing like Allen Fieldhouse. Nothing, period. I, I know Tyler may fight me on this and say the Dean Dome or something like that, but it's not even close. I mean, Allen Fieldhouse – 
it's worth like seven or eight points, and I'm not even including the refs in this thing. So, again, this Kansas team, totally different at home than on the road, like most great teams. But, again, I feel like they got that extra piece now with Furphy, and they guarded today. They shut down Jamal Shedd. They got out in transition. And, and again, they showed they belong. Maybe even at the top. Bill Self said to me after the game, he said, listen, when we're good, when we play like that, we can beat anybody. We showed it. We beat UConn here. Obviously, it was without Stephen Castle. But they beat UConn. They've beaten Kentucky. Now they've beaten Houston. And, and Kelvin Sampson said, like, listen, if they play like that, like nobody's really beaten them. Tyler, the fact Jeff, that, that Jeff would – yeah, please. I mean, the fact that he would do this on the day that you got honored at the Dean Dome, it feels like a low blow, quite frankly. <laughs> hey, there, there's no fight for me. I, I know how good Fog Allen is and their environment and their atmosphere. Nobody wins uh, at Fog. It's the toughest place in college. I, I will agree with Jeff on that. But the Smith Center tonight was rocking. But anyways, my question, Jeff, is Kansas dominated Houston on the boards tonight. Uh, and uh, – to me, when I look at it, was this a bad shooting night uh, by Houston, which it shows on the box score as well, or did Kansas just dominate them on the glass and defensively throughout the whole aspect of the game? So part of it, Tyler, is that Kansas didn't miss shots. So there, there just weren't as many, you know, rebounds to be had. Um, you know, Houston came out in the second half and they played harder. They played tougher. Um, but Kelvin Sampson said, I was disappointed with their effort in the first half. You know, they were playing from behind early. And then they started taking some bad shots, frankly. Kansas made some tough shots early. Guys that, honestly, Kelvin Sampson wanted them to take. Take some of these shots. They made them. And, and then it became Jamal Shedd just making mistakes. Uh, LJ Cryer didn't do anything in the first half. He carried them in the second half. And they had a chance late. And then Parker Brown comes up with the shots of the game. He hits a big three. Bill Self said to me after the game, he's like, I don't think he's made a three all year. I think he's made a couple, but he made a huge one to seal the game, makes a couple free throws the next possession. So that's what they need, though. They need those guys coming up the bench, Marco Jackson, Parker Brown, even Nick Timberlake a little bit, to just give them a little bit, give them some minutes Give them a couple minutes to, to be able to rest those other guys because those – listen, that starting five can hang and is probably better than anybody in the country, maybe even including UConn, but right there with UConn. Not as good. They're right there with them. Um, Jeff, I do want to talk a little bit about the other side because I'm trying to – I'm trying to work through – how to feel about Houston because on the one hand, the metrics just like slobber over them. Like, like you name it, they, they just love Houston. And yet when I see them play, at least, you know, today as an example, and then we know they, they, they lost to TCU, they lost to Iowa State on the road in their first year in the Big 12. If they don't get a nuclear second half from LJ Cryer, they're going to, they lose this game by 30. And so I just, I, like, help me work through how people should feel. Is is this just you run into a buzzsaw at Fog Allen and they're going to win a lot more games and that this team is going to be heard from in March? Or is this perhaps, as we're seeing in the first, you know, eight to ten games of Big 12 play, that this Houston team is pretty limited when they actually have to go tit for tat with somebody? You know, what Kelvin told me afterwards was, listen, I thought we'd lose by 30. Like, looking up with, again, the fact that Kansas did shoot almost 70%. He's like, I can't believe we only lost by 13, and we had a chance there before Parker Brown hit that shot to maybe make it close and, and put a little game pressure on him. He's not worried about this Houston team because he said, like, I feel like we're in the mix. You know, again, in that second tier, in the Big 12, you're not winning a lot of games. He's never won, by the way, here at Five Gallon. Never won. You know, he obviously hasn't played here in a while, but he was at Oklahoma as a head coach. And nobody wins here, really. I mean, you know, look look at the numbers. Bill Self wins like 96% of his games at Five Allen. He wins every game when, when he's an underdog, um, other than when they played Baylor a couple of years ago. So I'm not that worried about Houston, but I do think 
the loss of Terrence Arsenault for the season earlier this year was a blow that is is affecting them now because they just don't have quite enough firepower. And one of the things I thought Houston was going to be able to take advantage of today was Emmanuel Sharp. on, And he wasn't able to do that. Furphy played great defense today. He's got length. Yeah. He doesn't have a lot of bulk and strength. Yeah. But he did a great job on Sharp. And, again, listen, they just need one more dude off the bench to be – a little more than they've been, or all three of those guys collectively mm -hmm. to be a little better than they've been. But I worry about Kansas in the NCAA tournament, you know, only going five, six, you know, maybe six deep. Well, I think the most telling thing about today is that, and this is the luxury of we were sort of waiting for that fifth starter to emerge for Kansas, the luxury of Furphy going off and coming into his own the way he has is that we, we haven't even mentioned Hunter Dickinson today, 28-4 and four against a front line that I, quite frankly, and I was talking about this with Tyler earlier in the week, I thought he would struggle. And to Tyler's credit, he said, no, I, I don't think he's going to struggle. I think he's going to actually excel. And Hunter Dickinson was freaking brilliant, man. And we're not even talking about him because Furphy kind of came out of nowhere, Jeff, but I, I thought that was one of Hunter Dickinson's best game as a Jayhawk. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, Hunter Hunter played both ends of the courts today. Again, like he didn't have to dominate, but you could tell he was up for this game and the team was up for this game because right now they've been counted out. Like a lot of people, I'm sure they're hearing, whether it's me or other people say, like, I don't think they can win the whole thing. And he came out here to prove a point. They came out here to prove a point that, like, Kansas isn't dead. Like they're not they're not an afterthought when it comes to the top teams in the country in the conversation. And again, when you need a bucket, they went to Hunter and he delivered because Houston's bigs, as tough as they are, Hunter can shoot right over them. Yeah, I just I just you know, again <laughs> I, I, that that Houston team is as as physical, um, you know, and as dominant as they come. And uh, and Rob, I'd love to get you. I don't know how much of it you were able to see. First of all, it's good to to see you. You're just sitting there looking pretty. Um, welcome to the show. <laughs> First off, did you guys hear the guy come up to me and ask for a selfie while I was trying to tell him that we are live on the radio right now? That was uh that was an exciting moment right there and live podcast. We, we did not hear but, that. Um, we, I do have a <laughs> I do have a take on Houston that I want to I want to fire off and I want to see what you guys think about this because I feel like today showed us where Houston's limitations are in the sense that at the end, you get to a certain point, right? And elite offense is always going to end up being able to beat out elite defense. And I think that when you see the moments where Houston isn't able to do what they want to do defensively, where they can't really force the turnovers and they're not getting to the offensive glass and they're not really able to be as physical and muck it up the way that they want to be able to do it, um, they don't really have an answer for that, right? You have one of your best players, LJ Pryor, go off in the second half, and it doesn't matter. You still lose by 13 on the road. And, yes, I know it was Kansas. And, yes, I know it was Fog Allen Fieldhouse. But I do think that what we saw today was the problem of kind of building this style and this brand of basketball. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't have success, and that doesn't mean that they can't go out and win. Um, you know, they, they've been doing this, and I think their last four NCAA tournaments have been Sweet 16, Final Four, Elite Eight, Sweet 16. Right? So they're – you're able to make it to a certain point, but it's the same thing as like we just watched Kentucky here where when you're not able to guard, you have to be perfect offensively to be able to go out and win games against some teams in, in college basketball. And for Houston, they got to be perfect defensively or at least close to it if they want to be able to go out and beat some of the best teams in college basketball because there's a ceiling to what they are on the offensive end of the floor. It's a lot of pressure, man. And look, I lived it because, you know, I, I, I'm obviously here in Memphis and when they were in the AAC, you know, I know I know exactly. Like, I, I, I think Kelvin Sampson is, is probably the best coach um, that, that doesn't get the mainstream coverage just because of his conference affiliation the last several years. Uh, that's going to change now. And also his life's going to get harder. But it, it's a lot of pressure when you don't – when you just don't have that shot creation. And I'm curious to see sort of after a year – does he change it? Is it something that, you know, and again, it's one loss. Like, I'm not going to penalize somebody for for not winning uh, at, at Fog Allen. Like, that would be a ridiculous thing to do. But uh, it is life in the Big 12, and uh, you're going <laughs> to have nights like that. There's no question about it.
look, we got more games to get to. We got a college basketball Hall of Famer who was honored today, and his team got a win. You're watching Field of 68 after dark, back after this. What's going on, guys? Before we get back to the show, I need to let you all know about the Field of 68 Daily, an all-encompassing college basketball newsletter that arrives in your inbox, you guessed it, daily. For less than a dollar a week, you'll wake up every morning to more than 1,500 words detailing everything that you need to know to stay up to date on the world of college basketball. From the notable mid-major upsets to the stars that are out injured to the breakout performances that only our team of college basketball junkies watched. The Daily is edited and produced by Mike Miller, who spent more than two decades running NBC's digital written content. And it's subscribed by more than half of the Division One coaching staffs, the biggest names in college basketball media, and the agents that work as power brokers in the sport. For just $50 for the year, you get access to the same information that the insiders get. And before we get you back to your regularly scheduled Field of 68 content, let me tell you guys about the Field of 68 merch store. Head over to fieldof68.shop for officially branded Field of 68 apparel. Whether you're supporting your favorite team in the student section or from the couch, there is no better way to gear up in the latest from the field of 68 the best thing i can say about our merch is the quality of the product anyone that has ever worn a t-shirt knows how frustrating it is when the neck gets all stretched out and the bottom of the shirt starts looking like the bottom of bell-bottom jeans and there's nothing worse than a hoodie that loses its snugness that makes it such a perfect way to stay warm during the cold winter weather whether you're shopping for yourself or for the college basketball fan in your life everything you need is at the field of 68.shop We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Field of 68 After Dark. We're on Sirius XM. We're on YouTube. We're on X. We are everywhere. We are ubiquitous. We are inevitable. What a Saturday it was in college basketball. Rob Doster's in Lexington. Jeff Goodman has been at Fog Allen for 15 hours waiting on Bill Self. And Tyler Hansborough is at North Carolina. He is in North Carolina and, by the way, was honored today uh, for being a college basketball Hall of Famer. So congrats on that really quickly. What a night for the North Carolina Tar Heels, 93-84 over the Duke Blue Devils. They led, just like Kansas, for 39 minutes. Harrison Ingram, I mean, what a night for that young man, 21 points, 5 of 9 from 3. Uh, Armando Baycott tied his season high, 25 and 10, uh, and North Carolina really rolled in this one. Tyler, before we get into the game, how'd it feel, man, just coming back and, and being honored? It must have felt great to get all that love and sort of be in that moment again, huh? Yeah, thanks, John. It was, uh, yeah, it was great to be back in the Smith Center in the environment. The environment was amazing. And obviously, all the Tar Heels giving me some love. I really appreciated it. But, uh, you know, to the game, the Smith Center was rocking. And, 
to me, this was probably the biggest win all year. And the reason I say that is because Duke had a lot of preseason hype and they also have big athletic guards. And, you know, tonight we didn't have to rely on RJ as much. Armando, who has been questioned a little bit throughout the season, and especially with this play, especially after Georgia Tech loss, he had a huge night. And he dominated the game uh, with his physicality, his rebounding, and I really think that that caused a lot of problems uh, for Duke. And also Harrison Ingram, he stepped in, like you talked about, had a big game. And for me, it came down to those two players having huge nights that really sealed the deal. And, you know, to me, the score isn't really a good indication. I felt like we dominated uh, pretty much from the start. And I thought that Duke got a little bit of a run there towards the end, uh, which made it pretty close. But uh, I will say that uh, this team's success relies on their defense. And defensively, I thought we did a great job. Uh, We held them to 26% from the three-point line, which was huge. Uh, But also, um, you got to give Seth Trimble a lot of credit. He's come in, and he has guarded the other team's best player night in and night out. And I do feel like, you know, Seth comes in there and, you know, his his impact isn't really shown that much on the on the stat sheet, but you're seeing him get his confidence and starting uh, to add a lot more scoring. And uh, it's just a matter of time before I think he's going to be one of these players that everyone's talking about in the country. Uh, his impact defensively has been tremendous, and he is a great example for a lot of young players who don't get the minutes that they want uh, to come in and do the job that the coach wants and let them build trust and confidence in your game, then you can start sprinkling in other pieces that you want to add. And that's what he's done. He's really embraced the defensive end, locking up uh, the other team's best players. I thought he did a great job on Proctor tonight. Uh, Proctor wasn't really that big of a threat. And, uh, you know, he really embraced that. But, uh, yeah, you got to give the Tar Heels credit. I thought Armando – and Harrison Ingram, I thought they were too much. We didn't have to rely on RJ. It was a big win for the Tar Heels. Yeah, on that note, if I would have told you before the game started that RJ Davis was only going to have 17, would you have thought Carolina won the game? I, You know, coming into the game, I thought it was going to be much closer. And the reason I say that is because I, I still don't think that Duke has really reached close to their potential. And – I don't know why they're such a team that scares me in in the fact that I think they're a team that really has a lot of growth left in them because I think they have a high ceiling with a lot of their players. I think they have very talented players. Again, I don't think Jeremy Roach gets a lot of credit for what he does for this team. Uh, I think he's been kind of one of these underrated pieces. He's a tough player. He has the capability of hitting big shots. Uh, Filipowski, uh, they just – to me, they're just looking for one – other player and I know McCain McCain hit some tough shots he is a heck of a player I just feel like there there's going to be some growth from one of their players that's going to break out and really I think take this team to the next level I just don't think they've reached their potential Uh, that's why I was a little nervous because I thought they they might come into the Smith Center and show what they could be uh, against us but no uh uh-uh we bounced back after our loss to Georgia Tech and uh, it was a big win they played great what did you hey, think, Sean, Tyler, of the Davis having a? Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, you're fine. Go ahead, Rob. Davis having a. How about I'm having a bad night and finishing with 17 points, five assists, and no turnovers. <laughs> that we've reached the point in uh, in R- the R.J. Davis career arc where 17 points, five assists, and no turnovers is like his off night. Um, but I wanted to circle back on Armando Baycott because I, I think that Tyler made a great point in that uh, that's kind of been something that we've questioned with this team the season right mm-hmm. it, what happens when you know your guards aren't playing great why isn't armando being more aggressive why isn't he look like the all-american why not this why not that well in what was the biggest game of their season to date up against their biggest rival against a team that doesn't really have a five man that can slow him down i think hubert made a, a point to be able to run stuff through him and get the ball to him in the post and he delivered 25 points 10 boards five assists 10 to 13 from the floor. Like, I thought he was terrific today, and I thought that he really kind of showed everyone, hey, you know what? I might not be putting up these monster numbers, but I'm still the Armando that that I was uh, when we made that run to the national title. So I was really, really impressed with him, and it was nice to see. 
Yeah, you know, Armando, you know, sometimes he goes through these spurts where, you know, it's he's not – he's just kind of out there. He's not putting up the best numbers. And all of a sudden a big game, a big game comes and he just dominates and he shows, hey, listen, you know, I'm still Armando. I can still do these things. And, yeah, it did. I, I don't think that Duke had an answer for him. You know, Filipowski would gotten a little bit of foul trouble uh, late. And, uh, you know – Flip has really – that was a great matchup because I feel like he's a very dynamic big, and Armando's traditionally a down-low, bang, strong center. So it was a good uh, mismatch uh, from that aspect of two different styles of bigs going at each other. But I don't think Duke had an answer for Armando. And even Ryan Young, he came in, he tried to give him some – you know, some fouls and, you know, uh, you know, when Flip needed a little bit of a breather. But uh, Armando was too much for him. And also Harrison Ingram, he dominated the game from a physicality aspect as well. I just felt like we were a much more physical team. And you look at, uh, you know, Ingram had 13 boards as well. Uh, he's one of those guys that can he, – he can get some rebounds too. And, uh, you know, I thought that was a big factor as well. Do you, I mean, I, I got to think, I mean, at this point, if there was any doubt, um, I, I really don't think there was, but I mean, UNC cleared number one seed, right? I mean, there's a whole season left to play out, but if, if there was any doubt about it, because I saw like last number one seed it coming into today, right? They've, they've submitted that status, right? Anybody have any uh, arguments against it at this point? I mean, that to me, they have a lot of room to still climb. We could still trick it off, so I don't want to sit there and say, "Hey, it's a done deal," uh, you know. And uh, the reason I say that is because I lived through last year, and I don't want to put any expectations on this team. They're heading in the right direction. I do believe that they're going to get better as the season goes on. I think Cormac Ryan's one of those guys that can add more scoring. He does a lot for this team from a leadership leadership aspect, and uh, his spirit and defense. He plays hard. I think he's going to be one of those guys that can add some scoring, uh, but also uh, Jalen Washington's one of those guys that still has the capability of developing and getting better and better. Uh, but to, you know, to your point, I've always said this: Purdue and UConn—they've uh, separated themselves. They're the only teams in college right now that, to me, are for sure fire locks for number one seeds. And you know, you could start to make an argument for Kansas, us. Houston, obviously, because these analytic people, they, they just – they're going to dominate everything pretty soon, and I hate it. But it, I, I would say we're still, you know, in that mix. Yeah. Hey, uh, Tyler, El Elliot Cadeau, Elliot Cadeau, how was he mm -hmm. tonight, and do you worry about him at all not being much of a threat as far as scoring the basketball? He's been better lately, but is – like, if I said to you – other than def defense, because they've proven that they're tougher and, and good defensively, what is the biggest thing you worry about with this Carolina team? For me, um, and my guy T.O. talked about it, I think teams that have big physical guards, I think that makes us vulnerable. You look at UConn, they're a big physical guard-oriented team as well, and they dominate us. And if you have the lineup, Seth Trimble, uh, then you have – Cadeau and uh, RJ, those guys aren't the biggest, tallest, strongest guys out there. Uh, they're very good and very effective at what they do, but they're, they don't have the length or the height to really compete with a lot of teams if they have big, uh, you know, big guards that have size and physicality. I think early on in the year we struggled uh, with rebounding, and I think Ingram has really picked up uh, his role when it comes to rebounding has really provided us some more with some relief there, but that's what scares me. Teams that have big physical guards uh, that can beat us up on the boards. Hey, Jeff, I have a question for you because, and I know, you know, obviously you, you're going for the Guinness Book of World Records for most time in one stadium, which uh, I believe you're, you're, in an, you're within an hour. You're within an hour of the record. So if you need anything, let right. Trevor and Dagan know. We'll get something to the Listen. stadium for you. I can guarantee Tyler spent more time on that court behind him in a day than I've spent here today. I've been here since probably, yeah, I've probably been here 
I don't know, about 11 hours. I guarantee well, he played. I don't know I've if you're aware story. of that. He played the team. I know. Right? But, I mean, but what I'm saying is Tyler would be there after a game. He'd be there uh, relentlessly working. What? Hey, Tyler, give me give me the, the funniest thing that happened to you today while you were being honored and you got in the Hall of Fame. I, I thought I saw Bobby Frazier back there. He must have been – he's probably waiting for you right now to go out and have a few beers. Uh, yeah, hey, they're all waiting on me. Uh, but I will say, you know, you got to gotta proceed with caution nowadays. You know, I'm much older. I'm not in college. The recovery process is uh, seems like a marathon. <laughs> so, you know, I, it's it's one of those things where, yeah, you know what, guys, we'll go out. But, you know, it's, we just, you know, start to hit the 30s and get a little you're not gonna 30s. Rip it off. Just, you're not, wait, you're not going to uh, rip it up on Franklin Street tonight. Come on. Jeff, you know I'll be out there. I'm just going to have to I'm going to have to deal with it, you know. I haven't learned my lesson uh, you know. <laughs> I still haven't learned my lesson. I'm looking forward to it. So Are you going to go to like the same are you going to the same Go ahead, Rob. Do they do they honor you at every single North Carolina game cuz I feel like every time I put on a North Carolina game they're honoring you. Listen, Rob, don't Hey, Rob, this is the first game I've went to that I wasn't working the radio. So I, and there's a reason because I don't want to be that alum that goes to every game and there's like everyone feels obligated to clap for me. So there's a That's reason right. why I come to the uh, limited <laughs> amount of games. Well, uh, North Carolina uh, put on a show for you. They got the job done tonight in, in a very meaningful game and in a game that's going to very much help their resume. Look, we got a lot more to get to. Uh, the Tennessee big man, the Tennessee big man had the Hansboro eyes. He had the psycho T eyes on Kentucky. Tennessee gets the win. Interrupt. We'll talk about that when we get back. You watch the field of 68 after dark. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops, odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. Welcome back to Field of 68 After Dark. We're on Sirius XM. We're on YouTube. We're on X. We are everywhere. I'm John Martin, hosting tonight. Got my guys Rob Doster from Lexington, Kentucky. Jeff Goodman. Uh, still, I mean, amazingly, this guy is putting in a full American work day at Fog Allen. In no, no. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Like, when these when they're done cleaning. You, after, hey, I'm hey you know what? I, after your week, you really should just sit your ass there. Uh, for for a long time, <laughs> the bleachers. You know? yeah, I mean, that, right. that actually right. might be a good career been a week. move. It has been yeah, a to, week to start covering Kansas. Um, listen, third of three. I, I mean, these games actually kind of sucked for the most part. You know, you kind of go into it and you're like three top ten matchups. You know, these are <laughs> short numbers, but I mean, Duke Carolina was really it, North Carolina controlled it. Houston Kansas was a pick 'em. Kansas controlled it. And then Kentucky, Tennessee, I think Tennessee was actually the dog, and they controlled this thing. There was never really any doubt. 103 to what, 92, Tennessee gets the win on the road at Rupp. Rob, you were there. 
After losing at South Car- losing at home to South Carolina, it feels like contextually this belongs in the conversation for best wins of the college basketball season, does it not? For Tennessee? I don't know about that simply because I don't know how good this Kentucky team is right now. Like it feels like they Oh they're they're, they're missing something. No, here's the thing. Like they're they're not playing any He doesn't know, Jeff. He doesn't know. He's still trying to find out Tennessee. And um yeah, and and like they're this is the play that kind of epitomized everything to me. Like the, my biggest thing with this Kentucky team tonight was that every single loose ball Tennessee got, every single second chance opportunity Tennessee came up with, every single time that there was like an effort play that needed to be made to win a ball, to gain possession, to make something happen where you would get the rock back. Uh, Tennessee made every single one of those plays. And the one that stood out more than anything was it was right around the four-minute mark of the first half. And Kentucky had at one point gotten down by 14 points early on in this game. It fought all the way back, and they had a couple opportunities to tie the game, to cut it to one with open threes that didn't go in. And it was uh, the score was 42 to 38. And Reed Shepard steals a ball on a, a sloppy pass from Santiago Vescovi and knocks it away. And it looks like he's going to kind of go in for an open layup, but bobbles it, loses control. Vescovi dives on the floor, picks it back up, um, wins the loose ball. Throws it ahead to someone else, and they throw up a lob to Josiah Jordan James, who dunks it. And they, the Kentucky comes down again, and then all of a sudden there was another turnover, and then Tennessee's going down the other way, layup, and all of a sudden it's back to an eight-point lead. And that summarized the entire game to me, and that summarizes what this Kentucky team kind of is right now, where you see the flashes, you see the firepower, you see the moments, but they don't really have that that dog that is going to say like, look, we're not, we're not getting run over here. We are getting a stop on this possession. We are going to be able to go and get this defensive rebound. It, there's a, there was a very clear physicality edge, toughness edge. And I, I just, when you watch this game, it was completely evident to me, which team had talented 19 year olds and which team had talented 23 year olds. And that is going to be the problem with Kentucky moving forward is they just don't have that level of physicality that comes with, adult basketball players these are high school kids that are just turning into college players now and right. that's i don't know how you fix that and as much fun as it is to watch him and as good as robert dillingham is and exciting as he is like when he gets i was sitting here laughing at the shots that he hit in the first half of his game because it was just like what what are you doing why are you taking oh, okay that's going in two but there's yep. there's only so much of that can, you can do if you're not going to get stops and as well as he played offensively, he finished with 35 points tonight on 14 to 20 shooting, 6 to 8 from 3. He was unbelievable offensively. He probably gave up that many points on the defensive end of the floor between not being able to stop someone, not being able to keep someone in front of him. I mean, Santi, uh, yep. uh, Zakai Ziegler had 26 points and 13 assists and was the best guard on the floor by a mile tonight. And that's that's just not that's not going to cut it for uh, for for Kentucky and. Um, I don't know how you fix that. Like, I, we know what the issue is right now, right? We know where they're great. We know where the problem lies. I don't know if there's a way that you can fix this right now. Yeah, I mean, look, with them, it's just going to be it's just going to be growing up. And I, in, in fairness to them, no DJ Wagner tonight. And I know he sort of, you know, does get cr- criticized, but he is a big time player that they were missing tonight. When we're talking about Tennessee, Rob, I feel like Tennessee is the perfect model for what good to great teams should try to be in college basketball in the age of the transfer portal because all the all the guys you mentioned for the most part right are guys that have been in that program for two three years Zakai Ziegler's been there you know for mm-hmm. two three years uh, uh Josiah Jordan James been there for you know basically his whole career they 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 at they win the portal and they dipped in and they took you know Jordan Ganey they took Dalton Connect but the mo for the most part Rick Barnes has continuity on his side. And I feel like this is one of those games where to your point, you know, it, it, yes, it's age. That's a big part of it, but it's also this team has been together in a way that Kentucky's just has not. Yeah, 100%. And, and this was the game that kind of made me think, okay, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'm not talking about Tennessee enough. Maybe we're not paying enough attention to them as like a a national title contender. You know, when you watch, Dalton Connect's been the best player in college basketball for the last like three and a half weeks, right? He's averaging something like 28, I think it was 28.4 points in SEC play coming into tonight. And Kentucky controlled him pretty well. Like he wasn't, he wasn't very good. He just looked like a, a regular old all SEC guy tonight instead of a dude that is, is one of the best scorers in the country. And 
Tennessee still cruised. You know, you got 26 from Josiah Jordan James, which, by the way, like if he's knocking down four or nine threes, I don't think there anybody's going to beat them in college basketball this year. Um, you got the obviously the 26 and 13 from Zakai Ziegler. And uh, with what they can be defensively and just how big and physical they are, like that's the thing is they've added this guy that can be a game changer for them offensively. And they got back a point guard who was capable of going on the road and putting up 26 and 13 in an environment as crazy as this building was tonight. Uh, yeah. But they still have those same principles of like physicality and toughness, and they're going to turn the game into a rugby match. It just so happens they're going to turn it into a rugby match, and they can put up a hundred points on you if you're not going to get it. You're not going to play defense on them. So it's I'm starting to to buy into Tennessee now, and Jeff knows this. That means it's time to sell all of your Tennessee stock. Just fade, 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 fade. Because are you, are you, why, why are you? Have you ever like? Have you ever thought like why? Am I such a fucking mush? Like, why am I this way? Have you ever like thought about that? Like, what have you I, done in like a past life? The, you know what it is? It's only Tennessee. I don't know what I did to that state. Just, I don't know what I did to the city of Knoxville. Only, wait, I'm wait, a wait, big wait, fan wait, of wait, Tennessee wait, wait. whiskey. Only you, you, you. He's yes. He's, he's a nationwide mush. Ago, he's a nationwide mush. Two weeks ago, you said Kentucky was clearly the third best team in the country, and right when you said Ooh. it, it went like this. Their stock just Ooh, that's fell. that's that's not good, yeah. Rob. Rob, that's like that's like a crystal skull. That's voodoo, man. Okay, I'm being misquoted here. This is a this is a lie. This is a fake news. Um, this is Jeff Goodman just trying to get back at me because I, I misquote him intentionally all the time. That is what's happening right here. I will not stand for it. Uh, I will not. I will not allow this slander to happen. Uh, no, hey, Rob. Just, Rob. It's Rob. Front court wise yeah. for Kentucky. Can I ask you something? That, you know, Brad. That's Bell literally looks lost. what I was just going to bring up. Go ahead. Yeah, Bradshaw mm-hmm. looks completely lost. Completely lost. Now again, part of it, it makes sense. He missed all the preseason and, and the start of the regular season. So he's far behind. Trey Mitchell, we know, isn't very good defensively. And he didn't give him anything offensively tonight. He was not good. This was one of the few games that Trey Mitchell really hasn't given him anything. And Anyensu had, like, a career last game. But how good is he really? Or is he just more of a backup big? Like, I think he's maybe the most important guy on this team because if he could play like he did, in in the game where he had like 15, 13 points, I don't know, I think he had like 13, 13, and 8. If he can be that, like he's a game changer for them defensively. But I don't know, kind of like Big Z, that, that performance, the debut, was kind of a, a, a blip. And like now we're seeing you can't get in the court. Is Onyensu somebody that you think they can rely on down the road? Because, again, defensively, they got to get something out of those bigs. They got nothing offensively out of them. I don't care about that so much. I care about what they give him defensively. Well, the the game that you're referring to was uh, the Florida game at home, which was on Tuesday night. And Onyenso had 13 points, 16 rebounds, and eight blocks in a game where Kentucky allowed 94 points and 80 possessions in overtime to a Florida team that looks like they're probably going to end up being like on like the 10 or 11 seed line, right? So, I, I, yes, he played well, but that's not the root of their issues defensively. Um, the root of their issues defensively is that their guards can't keep anybody in front. They can't chase people around screens. They can't do anything against anybody else's backcourt. And as soon as somebody gets a paint touch and someone and the big guys help over, like there's no rotation. It's just that everybody looks lost. It's not just Aaron Bradshaw. Everybody looks lost defensively. Everyone looks like they're getting beat up physically. Everyone looks like they can't handle having 22 and 23 year olds push them around and they don't know the right rotations to make. It's It just looks like they are a young basketball team that hasn't learned how to play defense yet and the reason why they look like that is because they are a young basketball team that hasn't learned how to play defense yet when you have uh it was robert dillingham reed shepherd justin edwards and aaron bradshaw on the floor all together tonight you have four freshmen out there and those four freshmen are talented and they're all going to be very good basketball players in one day they're not ready to all play together and be able to be a good defensive but isn't that cal's fault it is and isn't that like, on. like he's signed up for this at a at a point when we know experience wins and he got fortunate to get Trey Mitchell late mm-hmm. otherwise honestly they'd be even younger if Bob Huggins didn't get fired so ultimately what the hell is Cal doing then if he's taking a team full of freshmen and, and expecting them to be further ahead than they are 
defensively when most of these guys, let's face it, were guys that wanted to score when we watched them in the circuit, right? Like mm-hmm. Dillingham just wants to score. I, Antonio Reeves really just wants to their best perimeter defender. And what's that saying? Because he's an average perimeter defender. Antonio Reeves is not the best perimeter defender. The best perimeter defender is Reed Shepard. And Reed Shepard is uh, at his best kind of yep. playing the passing lanes. He's not someone that's going to sit in the stance and like keep these the, the best perimeter players in front of him. He's not great at running around screens. They just aren't because they're freshmen. Like that's that's what it's coming down to right now. And when they get it going and when they're hot and when you get the nights where uh, Trey Mitchell plays well and Antonio Reeves plays well and Reed Shepard plays well and Robert Dillingham does what he does tonight, they're going to be very difficult to beat because they could put up 100 on you. But as evidence, yep. what we saw tonight, they could also give up 103 points to teams that aren't known as great offensive teams. They gave up 96 to Georgia. They gave up 94 to Florida. Like that's... That is what's going to be the Achilles heel for this. Are you out on him? Uh, Are you out on Kentucky, Rob? Are you out on Kentucky as a Final Four contender, a Final Four team? If they defend the way that they've defended for the last two weeks, there is no possible way for them to make a Final Four. It's just that simple. So are you out on Kentucky right now as a Final Four team? If they defend like this, then there is no, no possible no, way for no, them to make a final. No, Goodman John, wants an answer that's just from the you. simple answer. Look, you, you look. This is how they're defending. This is how they're defending. Do you think they're going to fix it or not? And that's your answer. I do not think they're going to fix it. I do not think they're going to. So you don't think they're a final? So you're out. I do not you're think out. they're Say it. Out. Say I'm out, out on Kentucky as a final four contender. He's I want to hear it from you. You just you just said it for me, and we're going to clip that no, without saying say from it. you at the end. And then there you go, there you go. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm out on them right they're now. Already, they're already they're already turning the there's, lights there's, off on them. They're no already question. getting to the. They're already yeah, putting them in the That's dark. what they did. As soon as no, I said I'm out on them as a final four contender, they shut Yeah, they're gonna. You know what's funny? Now I'm yelling, and people are looking at me from the other part of the stadium. The people down there are looking at me as I'm sitting here yelling. They're not a final four contender. You're gonna get me jumped. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay. Listen, there were some other games that happened over the over the course of the day as well. UConn just keeps rolling. How do they do it? We'll talk about it when we get back. You're watching Field of 68 after dark. Big news, guys! I am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with Autograph, a company founded by the goat himself, Tom Brady. The Autograph fandom app gives you access to the best college hoops content, fan contests, and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets, all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do, following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one. When Tom, and yes, I am calling him Tom, we're on a first-name basis these days, co-founded Autograph, he had one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. It works like this. You get all of your college hoops content you want in one place. You get articles from your favorite writers, pods from your favorite hosts, contests from your favorite creators, all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy. But instead of having to go to all these different places, it all comes to you in one spot, the autograph fandom map. But here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up in status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68, that's F68, or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. It really is that simple. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to Field of 68 after dark on what was a packed Saturday of college basketball. And I want to just defend a position really quickly. 
Trevor was giving me a little shit on the fact that I said those games, the three top ten matchups sucked. And the only reason why I say that is because there was no doubt, right, after the first ten minutes as to who was going to win those games. Like, there wasn't, like, any drama late, you know. I mean, you knew Carolina was going to win. You knew Kansas was going to win. And you knew that, uh, that, that Tennessee was just a better team in that one. So that's what I mean. Like, whatever, you know, it just, you, you, they didn't necessarily meet the moment. That's fine. That's fine. It's just one Saturday in college basketball. Life goes on. I'm John Martin here holding it down with Jeff Goodman and who some say is the Nick Lachey of college basketball media. I mean, you must really just intimidate people when you walk in with that button down t-shirt. They, the show must stop. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't want to address the fashion. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> That's all right. We had we hey, speaking of you're the best, Rob. You're the best. And there were uh, several other games that happened over the over the course of the day that we do need to hit before we get to afters here. And that is UConn. UConn, the number one team in the country. No Alex Caravan. I mean, I will say this, like I because I'm, I'm monitoring this stuff after the Caravan news comes out. Everybody loves St. John's. That number, I think, closes at three, three and a half. And like they do, it feels like every time they take the damn floor, they just impose their will. 77-64 over St. John's. Cam Spencer brought him in. How's 23 and five three-pointers taste, St. John's? Uh, I know it sort of just feels cliche, but how is UConn not the most reliable thing in college basketball right now, Rob? They're just a machine at this point. And and the, the thing that's scary about it is that uh, we've seen Donovan Kling in the last two games really struggle. You know, he had uh, four fouls in the first five minutes that he played against Providence, and it didn't matter. They still beat Providence by nine at home, behind 20 points from Steph Castle, who is starting to look like one of their best players, by the way. Uh, at St. John's, on the road, raucous environment, Dan Hurley versus Rick Patino. St. John's trying to prove that they belong back in the Big East and at the big boy table in the Big East. And Donovan Clean doesn't play well, gets in foul trouble again, isn't really impactful out there. Uh, Steph Castle again scores 21, career high back to back nights. You got Cam Spencer going for 23, hitting five huge threes. Tristan Newton, oh, by the way, quietly going for 18 points, 10 boards, and seven assists. And um, they just, they're just inevitable. Like it just, it's a machine. And I don't know what you do to stop them because I don't know where the weakness is, John. Like, honestly, tell me where the weakness is. How do you go about beating this team right now? Because I don't, I don't know I, what I you don't, do I don't to go it. against them. I've been trying to find it. I don't. I. I can't. I've lost so much money trying to find it, and I can't. <laughs> the, hey, the best thing. I'm just about being honest right now, though. I'm just being honest. Honestly, here, here's the 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 thing is Castle, like he's the difference maker right now because you knew what you had, honestly, with Newton for the most part. You know what you have with Cam Spencer. You kind of know what you're going to get with Kling and, and Caravan when he's healthy. But I, I feel like not having Caravan tonight, kind of good because Castle has to step up. And now yeah. he's shooting with confidence. Like that's the crazy part now is like Castle's kind of a non-shooter, or at least that's what you heard even from the UConn camp. He is not a non-shooter right now because sometimes it's all about confidence. And right now he's stepping up and taking them. Yeah. And again, if he can make one of three a game, and I think he made two of two tonight maybe, um, it's a difference maker because how do you guard him? Like Stephen Castle, here's the great thing about him. He's an elite defender. He's a ball mover, a really good passer. He's athletic as hell, which is really what they need, big, strong guard, uh, so he can get to the basket and get downhill. And now if he can make shots, like I'm telling you, I look at Stephen Castle and I'm like, shit, maybe he's a top five pick in this year's NBA draft. Yeah. Well, like like that's the whole yeah, point. And all to he me, has Rob, to do, you're right. I was just going to say, like, like the fact that we're like we're saying Stefan Castle is the weakness of UConn is like that's insane. Like we're reaching so far down that barrel. Like, <laughs> like, like he was a McDonald's All American, one of the best players in 2023. Like, you know, that's a that we're reaching pretty far if that's the weakness. But on but UConn. a lot of these freshmen, John. Here's the thing: you're looking around the country, and if you do something on the McDonald's All Americans, my guess is like half of them. Haven't done much this year. Well, Castle's on a team that has a chance to win at the highest level, and he's making a huge yeah. impact. You know, there's, there's guys that, again, like 
are putting up numbers for crappy teams or mediocre teams. But Castle is now doing it for the number one team in the country. That's unheard of right now for freshmen. Yes. Yeah, the thing about him, too. Yeah, the thing about him, too, is that it's not it's not the fact that he's making the threes now, right? Like, it's not about whether or not those shots actually go in. What matters is that he's making enough that it becomes something where defenses need to get out and guard him. Because right now, uh, when you look at the UConn's best five, there's basically three guys you got to take out, chase off the line and two guys you don't have to chase off the line. And they're kind of running into a little bit of the same issues that they ran into with Andre Jackson last year where um, you don't, you don't get that room for clinging to be able to rim run and be able to come off those ball screens and find a way to go to the basket and catch a lob because they've just not been guarding Stephen Castle at the three-point line. Well, if he, he made two tonight, he was two four the other night, right? Like in the last two weeks, he's actually making threes to the point where defenses are going to have to come out and, and start challenging that. And if you do that, then all of a sudden you have four guys on the perimeter that you can't leave wide open and that turns all of those ball screens where you have the seven foot three monster rolling to the rim that that makes them that much more dangerous and the stuff that UConn runs that much more yep. difficult to guard and that makes them that much better like it just it, and yep. everything works in concert and the thing that's really impressive to me is and then we can move on after this is just the the way that they've been able to identify players that fit into what they want to do and it's not just like the the Cam Spencer one was they kind of lucked into that a little bit because they didn't end up getting Nick Timberlake, but Tristan Newton finding a way to make him be the effective player that he can be. Because I think did anyone really think that he was going to be this good transferring into UConn? You know, yeah. seeing Alex Caraban go from being like a top seventy five, top eighty kid to now being an NBA prospect. Cam yep. Spencer coming out of Rutgers, and now we're like, oh wow, Cam Spencer's the difference maker that could be in UConn goes back to back. Like it's just. It, it's wild how that staff is able to identify and then utilize the pieces that they bring in. And I don't know how many how many coaches are as good at kind of figuring out who fits in what they want to do and finding them. Yeah, no, I think it's fair. Uh, now, we, we, you know, I think that's probably enough for the uh, 2024 UConn National Championship in February for now. I mean, we have plenty of time to celebrate that, right, that parade. We can have that later. There were a few more games that we do need to hit on before we get out of here tonight, which is Baylor, despite only getting seven from Jacoby Walter, good game overall uh, from him, complete game overall, but led by Ray J. Dennis, 18 points. Baylor gets the job done despite Scott Drew being ejected 70 to 68. If, If Rob is saying, Jeff, to sell all the Tennessee shares, right now because he likes them how much of baylor are you buying right now i mean i like baylor but but again i i feel like and i asked kelvin sampson this after the game like in the big 12 there's just not a lot of separation and, and any team can kind of beat any team you know it's shown by kansas again going down and losing at ucf and losing at west virginia coming back and, and manhandling houston today um I think Baylor is like a top, you know, 15 to 25 team. I think if they got the right matchups, you know, could they make a run to the Elite Eight? It would have shocked me. No. I think Jacoby Walter's got to get back on track. I think he's hit a little bit of a wall here uh, because, again, he had to kind of carry them earlier this season as a freshman, and not too many guys were like that. So this was a big win for Baylor because they went through that three-game losing skid, and now they've, they've rebounded and won a couple in a row. Because in the Big 12, you know, three-game losing streak could turn into four, five, and then you're in trouble yeah. in this league. We're, we're yeah. bearing the How lead here, guys. Right? Like, the, the, this, was the, this was the craziest game that we saw today. Like, without a it, doubt. It was. It was, <laughs> it, it was nuts. Scott it Drew was. got ejected for having two, like, out-of-the-coaching-box technicals. You arrested a guy that won the national title two years ago for being out of the coaching box? What are we doing here? Yeah. Then they get I think uh, I, I think here's what I think and it was then, about. Hey, Rob. But then here's the Rob. ending. Hold on. Here's here's the ending. But we didn't even get to the ending. Like the ending of this was utter insanity as well. Baylor comes back and hits a game-winning shot after Ohio uh, Iowa State ties it on one end with 9 seconds left. Baylor comes down, takes the lead with 2 seconds left in the clock. Dude, Jaden Nunn misses the free throw. Uh, Iowa State yep. has no timeouts. 
the guy lets the ball bounce. They start the clock too early. Ref blows the whistle. They get an out-of-bounds play to be able to get a chance to go in the game that they shouldn't have gotten. It was a free timeout, 1.2 seconds left. They throw it in, a pass to Momsilovich, and he knocks down and banks in a 40-foot three. Oh, everyone's going crazy. And then they go back to the monitor for the 27th time in the final eight seconds of this game, and they wave it off because they didn't get it off in time. Like This was the craziest, most insane basketball game I've ever seen in my life. It was and a it crazy is final, essential reason why I love this freaking sport, man. It was awesome. I'm sorry, Goodman. Go ahead. Say what you got to say about Scott Drew. I think Scott Drew was just sticking up for his boy, Jerome Tang, who had a little tiff with TJ Otzelberger. I think that's all it was here. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, um, people. You, yeah, I mean, I'm I mean that's a... I'm joking. But do you... Okay, okay. I mean, we do you do you actually have a theory as to why you got... I mean, it does feel crazy that... No, I think he out. just got out of the coach's box. Court. I think I don't know. Maybe he woke up on the wrong side what, of the bed what, today. Tom asked him to eject somebody for. That's insane at home. It's yeah. Mister Positivity. I mean, you, you don't right. You don't the, you know, Mister Positivity. Yeah, no, that was a that was a uh, crazy end on what was a fun day in college basketball. We're heading to the afters. Follow us on YouTube for. Rob Doster for Jeff Goodman. I'm John Martin. Thanks for hanging out with us. This is Field of 68 After Dark. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.